the first thing we want to talk about is okay what exactly is the stronger podcast um, slash live stream and phil well, sure uh, the uh subtitle on it is uh learning to live free uh that goes a couple of ways what we're what we're doing is uh talking with people who are either part of a congregation, leaders of a congregation, members of a congregation that uh, are looking to find ways to, to work with people coming out of prison, uh, to welcome them, to uh, uh, make their participation in the congregation work, uh, to, to be of whatever help they can to ex-offenders. Uh, we're looking to help them to, to feel free to, to do that ministry without the, um, you know, any of the, crippling fears that would hamper that uh learning to live free of uh some of the the unnecessary fears of doing ministry with people who are uh coming out of prison uh fears of uh oh my gosh what's going to happen when these people step foot in here though they're they're dangerous um you know the dangers are minimal uh, there's such a thing as being cautious and uh, reasonably cautious. Well, we want to help with that, uh, find out where those, those are and, and, and allay some of the false fears so that you're free of those. Um, and also learning to live free. We, people are coming out of prison, so they are, you know, they, they're just learning to live free. It's been a while. And uh, it's, there's a lot of things they've missed out on. Uh, how to make choices, how to make good choices. Uh, um, looking, they're look, If they're coming to a church, they're looking for healthy relationships. They're looking for a connection with God, God's people. So, um, so learning to live free, whether you're an ex-offender or not, that's, um, that's kind of the way I'd sum it up. How about you, Ruth? I would definitely agree with that. Um, All right. So we've talked a little bit about the about the live stream, what it is that we're trying to accomplish here, um, and kind of the goals here, not just for the formerly incarcerated, but also for their families and their churches. Um, with, with all that being said, you might still have a question of um, who are these people that I am watching right now, and why should I listen to anything that they have to say? Because they're so pretty. Um, <laughs> pretty people are always worth listening to. Yeah, that is definitely um, one thing that you could say. Mm -hmm. um, but um, so my name is Ruth Jefferson. For those that don't know me, I am the founding director of Voice of Middle Ground. And so uh, kind of where I'm coming from with this is that as I um, as I look at the, uh, the cycle of incarcerations and even um, just the lives that formerly incarcerated people are living when it comes to things like um, even um, even the, the lack of freedom that people have once they once they get out of prison and the challenges that they face there. Um, my concern really is helping people to get out of those those cycles, really those cycles of death. Um, but Phil has a different. Um, Edge that he's coming from here, and Phil, would you talk to us a little bit more about that? Okay. Um, for the past uh, thirty plus years, uh, I've been working as a chaplain with 
an outfit called Institutional Ministries, uh, operating out of Southeast Wisconsin, but uh, spreading our, 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 our work farther and farther uh, all over the state of Wisconsin, starting to slop over the borders. And what, what one of the fields that we work in uh, a lot is uh, corrections facilities, jails and prisons. Uh, I've been working with guys in jail and in prison for most of my career with uh, institutional ministries and uh, helping them when they're out of prison too, and helping them to hopefully stay out of prison uh, and re rejoin the community. Uh, it's, I've just so appreciated getting to know these guys. I, uh, and I, and I want, I, I want my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want other people in Christian congregations to have that same, wonderful experience I have getting to know these guys uh, and seeing, wow, I, yeah, I've, I got stuff that I, I, I can uh, give to them uh, from my experience and from my knowledge, but they've got something for me too. And they do for all of us. So that that's one of the reasons this is such a, a something I feel so passionately about. I, I, I want, I want congregations all over to, to be able to say, wow, I, I, I want your guys to come to my church uh, and to, to look forward to that. Uh, so, you know, that's part of the, where I've been coming from, my ministry. Uh, also, uh, I can, even though I have never done any, any jail or prison time yet anyway, uh, I came close uh, when I was... Uh, when I was a kid, when I was uh, 17, uh, I pled guilty to uh, felony drug charges. And, you know, thankfully, the, uh, the presiding judge said, uh, keep your nose clean for next six months and we'll forget this ever happened. And I did keep my nose clean and they did forget it ever happened. And, uh, um, well, in some ways, that was the end of it. But uh, it, well, it could have been worse. I could have gone to gotten some time in juvie uh or yeah i guess it wouldn't go on to adult at that time but the other thing where it could have been worse was um what does what does my family and what does my congregation do with me now that i'm a criminal uh you know that could have been a situation where they decided well now we don't now we're, we're holding you at arm's length uh, we've, we've changed our minds about you after these 70, 17 years. They, you know, I could have gone that way. Uh, it didn't. Uh, my family and my congregation were really supportive. My, my pastor uh, came to my, my hearing uh, when, you know, when they sentenced, well, quote, sentenced me. Uh, he uh, the congregation, uh, he and the rest of the congregation had me teach Sunday school after that. They had me teach vacation Bible school. Um, it was probably a mistake. I was a terrible Sunday school teacher. Uh, but <laughs> just the fact that they, there was no pushing me away saying, uh, now you got to prove yourself to us. Instead, there, there was that welcome, uh, that willingness to, to work with me. Uh, that that made a big difference. And I'm, I'm thinking what, what happened with me, my experience, that's something that uh, I would like more people to have that kind of welcome and acceptance and, and uh, expression of value from Christian congregations. Um, 
so your experience with um, even with that isn't where uh, isn't where your perspective on that stops either. Um, when we were kind of talking and planning for uh, today, one of the things that you mentioned was your experience even with like um, with groups. So can you tell us some more about that and how your um, your thought process towards those kind of evolved over time? Sure. Um, I've gone to uh, a, a lot of 12-step meetings uh, over the years. Um, I remember one of my guys challenged me one time. He said, Phil, what are you doing to keep yourself sane? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you hang out with all those drunks and druggies. Uh, what makes you think that you're not sick too? <laughs> I I kind of laughed it off at first, but you know, as time went on, I had more and more experiences with re uh, realizing, man, I've got problems. Uh, I I started doing going to some of these groups too. Um, and one of the things that I, I really, really appreciate about uh, groups like AA, Al-Anon, NA, is the, uh, uh, the, the transparency at those groups. Uh, that people there are, you know, nobody's trying to put up a front that I'm really okay. Well, I'm not okay. That's why I'm coming to this group. And everybody else in the group is okay with that guy not being okay. Um, that, that just leads to so much, uh, honesty and, um, people connecting with each other. I've got that same problem. Uh, uh, some, some great things happen, uh, when people are transparent about their struggles. So, and that's something where I really want to see more of that in our, in, in congregations, uh, that our congregations be a place where, Hey, we're all struggling here. Uh, and some cases where it's not just, yeah, well, we're all sinners. You know, it's like, I, I cause harm with the things that I do and say. And uh, it's, it's not acceptable and I need to change. You know, so that's something I, I, I just love about uh, people that are getting out of prison and looking to stay out of prison. They they're need to be honest and they're, they're working to find ways to be honest with other people. Uh, when you when you were talking about um, that honesty uh, with uh, basically our our sin natures is kind of what you're getting at there. It kind of brings to mind that uh, the passage from that verse from Paul. Um, talking about a little bit about that, kind of in the in the light of like this conversation. Talking about uh, in First Timothy, uh, where he said, uh, "Here's a trustworthy saying, worthy of all acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst." That that one, yeah. Um, I there's a bunch of things about that I just really like, uh, and uh, the fact that he says it in present tense, I think we it's easy to overlook that. He's not saying. Uh, I used to be that bad, but thank you, Jesus. That's all in the past. He's not saying that. He's saying, I am. Uh, he recognized that uh, yeah, I, I'm not doing a lot of those horrible things I used to do. Uh, I still got problems. Uh, the person that did that, well, I, I can see his, there's still remnants of him in me, and they could really pop up and do some, some horrible, horrible things. Uh, and 
I need help. I, I think I, I can just really see that being uh, you know, another thing that we, we, all of us good church going people could, uh, could use some help with from uh, our, our brothers and sisters who are coming out of prison and learning to be honest with their struggles. Uh, you know, let's, let's take an honest look at ourselves and say, how am I a sinner? Not just in theory, because, you know, we're all sinners, uh, but how do I actually harm other people? How do I, uh, how do I damage lives by what I do and don't do? And where do I need help? It makes a lot of sense. Um, I think one of the things that people might be uh, tuning in today is uh, we mentioned in the in the description for today's live stream that one of the things we'd be talking about is really what is the role of the church in all of this, meaning specifically how do we uh, prepare our hearts for service and specifically serving those uh, who are coming out of prisons and, and the families, uh, uh, their families as well. Um, we ended up, um, as we were preparing for today, we talked about a lot of things from the practical to more of the 30,000 foot level with the philosophical um, as well. Um, but I think, uh, I think as we were, uh, as we were going through all of that, one of the things that we wanted to be sure that we mentioned today was the importance of being a listener, um, and the healing power of, um, that acceptance and, and mm. being heard. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Uh, I those, are, those are definitely important things. And even, even those of us who maybe haven't necessarily been through the, the prison system can under can understand that if we look at our own lives and kind of how that's played out and how that's brought healing when we we're going through difficult times. Um, but Phil, could you talk a bit more about that in terms of in terms of the formerly incarcerated and okay. uh, maybe even those who are in prison? Um one of the things that uh, encouragements we can give to uh, people and to congregations when they're looking at taking on this kind of ministry is uh, it's doable and it's doable because you're, you're qualified already in a lot of ways. Um, and one of those ways is what you mentioned uh, listening. You can listen. It's, it's, it's doable uh, to, to, to be a, a caring and non-judgmental listener uh, it's so simple and it's so powerful. Um, there's been studies done on this, how uh, when a person who's uh, been uh, repeatedly uh, traumatized, uh, when their, their, their brain is just in this constant fight or flight mode because of all the trauma they've, they've gone through uh, from little on, especially, um, they've done brain, uh, like, brain scans, MRIs uh, uh, of brain activity of, in the before and after. Uh, before, when they're just still the traumatized people, and then after, people have listened to them for a while. Uh, the, after um, several sessions of people just listening without, with, with care and without judgment, and the brain changes. Uh, the... Uh, the midbrain where all the fight or flight stuff is going on, where I'm just reacting, reacting, I'm not thinking, starts to calm down. And the front part of the brain where the actual thinking, deciding, reasoning, judgments go, go on, that's, that starts 
becoming more and more active. You know, so that's something we can do to listen, to say, go ahead, tell me your story. Uh, I mean, I'm saying it's easy, but it's also, <laughs> you just, just so much want to jump in and say, well, stop doing that. Here's the truth. And I'm going to, let me shut up and let me preach to you for a while. You know, especially the danger of preachers. We preach. That's what we do. Uh, but to uh, say, just go ahead, go ahead and talk. Uh, there's something wonderfully, wonderfully healing about that. Uh, there's a quote. I can't remember the guy who said it. That uh, being heard feels so much like being loved that most people can't tell the difference. something we can do, something we need to do. I think um, even even as we're talking about that, something that's kind of coming to my mind is the, the nature of that, of that voice of kind of wanting to um, kind of direct more than listen sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think one of our tendencies when we see people that that are uh, more likely to to want to correct more than to listen is to think that that's coming from, um, that that's always coming from a bad place. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes what that's coming from is I've been down this road before Mm -hmm. and I don't want you to have to face these same difficulties. But, But even with that, I mean, there's, there's such a thing, um, and, and I'm not saying that what we're talking about here is, is parenting, but there is kind of such a thing as helicopter parenting or helicopter shipping, <laughs> I guess we could say in a sense. Yep. And that's, some, that's something we have to be careful of as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, people have to be free to make their mistakes. Uh, and we have to, you know, there's the challenge to keep on loving people that have made some bad mistakes. Um, not, not, uh, I loved you before you messed up and uh, you messed up and nothing has changed. I still love you. Um, I want to stop us for a second. Uh, I know that we have been doing a lot of talking, um, but if you're watching and there's anything that you want to say, any comments that you'd like to add or questions that you'd like to ask to either one of us, we'd be more than happy to address those. So. Uh, drop your comments in the uh, comment section and we'll go ahead and speak to those as well. Um, as we we're kind of waiting on that, though, um, we'll go ahead and we'll also um, kind of go to the next point, which is um, one of the, another thing that we talked about was uh, Jesus's call to the disciples. Mm. Um, specifically in this context, because when we look at the disciples and the call that Jesus made to them, by today's standards, they wouldn't be people that we would look at and go, oh, these would be the perfect people for this job. Mm-hmm. They would actually be people that we would consider to be highly unqualified. Mm-hmm. But um, even with that, even when with that unqualification, so to speak, Jesus still trusted them to be the first people to carry the gospel. And I think there's kind of a a parallel there when we talk about um, the connection to uh, ministering to those who are in prison and the formerly incarcerated. Um, Bill, um, would you feel comfortable speaking to that? Absolutely. Um, 
one of the things that uh, anybody who's uh, spent any time around me uh, attending some of my classes or presentations, you'll hear me sooner or later. Uh, you're going to be subjected to my pop quiz. And my pop quiz is uh, goes something like this. The Bible lets us know that uh, at least two of Jesus' apostles uh, were members of criminal organizations. Which two? And then I let people struggle with that one. Uh, and usually they'll say Judas, and it's like, okay, Judas was a thief, uh, but there's no evidence that he was part of a criminal organization. Next guess. And Paul, well, Paul's, you know, worst of sinners, but his sins were legal sins. Uh, there's a difference. Uh, you know, so people struggle with that one. Uh, I tell them, well, first one is Matthew. Uh, Matthew, tax collector. That didn't mean he had a government job. Uh, the Roman government didn't pay people to collect taxes. They didn't have an uh, IRS bureaucracy. They sold the right to collect taxes to the highest bidder. And highest bidder generally, historically, you know, it was organized crime families. It was mafia. And uh, then once they won the right to collect taxes in a certain area, like in Judea, uh, they would send representatives there and hire local thugs to do the actual collecting. And then they'd give them, equip them with uh, four soldiers for muscle, and they'd tell them, uh, okay, you, you take your cut. The family takes its cut. The Roman government takes its cut. Just get us our money. Uh, so these were people that were willing to sell out their community, uh, bring poverty and ruin to their own community. Um, and Matthew was one of these guys. So, yeah, he was connected with organized crime. Uh, and then the other one was more obscure, Simon the Zealot. Yeah, who? I never heard of a Simon the Zealot uh, Lutheran church. I don't remember heard of any churches. Uh, but his name was Zealot, and Zealots were an uh, anti-government uh, terrorist group. They were dedicated to the violent overthrow of the Roman occupying force. Uh, so you got these two guys, both members of criminal organizations. One was working with the Roman government, one dedicated to overthrowing the Roman government. And, you know, typical Jesus stuff. Puts the two of them together and says, your brothers now, work it out. Um, so he's calling on us to do the same thing. Your brothers, work this thing out. So anyway, these are the apostles. You know, these guys, their hands pressed together uh, at the, around the, the Last Supper. Uh, they were thugs. Um, we, we have a question coming in now from Mickey Ross. Um, she's asking us, what might be an effective way for a church that would like to be more welcoming to folks who were incarcerated and their families, word of mouth or a program, et cetera? Hmm. Very good questions. Uh, I'd say, yeah, both of those are, are good. Yeah, if you can have a program, but ha, huh, I know uh, just starting with uh, being the kind of, working on kind of being the kind of transparent congregation that it's going to be healing experience for uh, somebody coming out of prison to work with, uh, where uh, we're, we know we're a mess. 
uh, we know we're, we're, we're all struggling and we're okay with sharing that and um, working with other struggling people, you know, that alone, that's going to make a big difference. That's not going to necessarily draw them in, but uh, uh, you know, word of mouth, we'll get out about that. And, and people who have friends who are coming out of prison will feel a lot more comfortable with that. I mean, I'm just thinking of one friend of mine who uh, uh, has been working with somebody who's in jail. And as he's coming out of jail, uh, she was mulling over, well, do I bring him to my congregation or do I send him somewhere else? And she was, she was not sure if her congregation was a good fit. Now, she would have loved to have him, but she just didn't know if he was going to find that, that kind of uh, warm, supportive transparency at her congregation. Uh, so that, that's one thing you can do, just try and be that kind of healing con congregation. I think I'd like to, um, to add something there. You said it might not, uh, it, it might not necessarily draw them in, but I, I think um, that kind of as, as we do build reputations like that for, for being that kind of an accepting church, um, th there are some instances where it will uh, naturally draw draw people in, mm -hmm. and and that's uh, that's something to keep in mind too. And the the programs are good too. If uh, uh, there, there's help, uh, love to give some uh, guidelines, etc., about uh, support groups for people who are looking to stay sober, looking to stay out of prison. Um, those those can be wonderful too. People are looking for those kinds of things. Sometimes they're they're ordered uh, by their conditions of their release if they're still on uh, on probation. They they need to find these groups. And uh, let's you can check with your uh, uh, the probation office. See uh, can what, can we be of help? We want to send some people our way uh, and see what happens with that. Um, something else that we uh, something else that we wanted to get into actually uh, Mickey's question is perfect because I, I feel like it takes us directly into that was um, communicating uh, communicating that attitude of welcome mm. um, absolutely that's something I, I think is so big uh, you know, just in general not not only for uh, people coming out of prison, but uh, uh, in general, uh, not not just to be passive about it. Well, doors are open. We're not chasing you away. Uh, you know, it's got to be, it's an active thing, uh, something to be mindful of. We're, we want to communicate welcome. Um, and, and that will be something that uh, if... If you look at your congregation, we're all we're all pretty much the same. We're we're all kind of the same uh, socioeconomic class. Where our skin is all the same color. We all uh, watch the same TV shows and listen to the same music. And, and you know, if if all of that is there, it's it's going to be a little struggle to see somebody come in through the doors who's got tattoos on his neck and uh, nicotine stained fingers and. Uh, um it doesn't know that oh you don't have to say the f word in every other sentence it's okay not to um it's it can be a little struggle to say oh, our comfort zones have just gotten challenged but hey that's that's what we're called to do 
to, to look at that guy and say, I'm glad you're here. Uh, let me introduce myself. Let me introduce my friends. Let me introduce my congregation. I like that idea. Called to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like it. That's our new tagline. Called to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, Vicky has another question for us. Uh, she says, who would be a good contact for help with considering a program? Institutional ministries or voice or either? Um, <laughs> yeah, the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. The answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, at, at voice, we're uh, working on getting some things uh, ready and down on, on, down on paper that to hand out uh, to anybody who's looking for help right now. We are, our, our time, we are, slowly developing this but our timeline keeps getting pushed up on us because people are, are coming and saying oh can you help me out uh so um be patient with us but we'll, we'll we're we're working on stepping that up in the meanwhile you know i i know i'd personally be happy to uh want to give a call uh or email me uh I'll do what i can and refer you to other people who have been doing this work you know we've got that for the time being and I would say when Phil says he would be happy to, he would definitely be happy to. Mm -hmm. I want my thugs to come to your church. Yeah. That's something that I really do appreciate you is your, um, the sincerity of your heart about these issues. Ah, well, thank you. And I, it, it is a good thing. I, uh, I, I look at, um, uh, some experiences I've had where, well, I've told you that one story about the time I was preaching at this big church uh, in uh, somewhere out in Western Wisconsin. And I made, made my pitch for uh, being open to ex-offenders. Can I send my, my, my thugs to your church? Is that going to be okay? Will you, they, because they need a Christian congregation. They need a, need a family. Uh, you know, I, I threw that in uh, my presentation. Then it was a communion Sunday and uh uh, the pastor had asked if I'd help with communion. I said, sure. And then he said, one of our elders is also going to be there uh, to help. So I took my place up by the altar and the pastor took his place by the altar and the elder put on his uh, white robe and came out to join us. And I looked at the elder and the elder looked at me and we grinned at each other. It's like, I know this guy, this guy, <laughs> he's, he's a recovering alcoholic with a criminal record and he's an elder in the congregation. Uh, so it's like, cool i've been preaching to the choir i love it um stuff like that happens i uh one uh congregation in town here their, their president of the congregation joined the church uh after coming into the church because of their uh drug and alcohol support group um and just stuck with it and now he's he's the president of the congregation he's a darn good one It can be done, folks. I think one of the other things that um, that we wanted to talk about was we did want to address the fact that there are that there are challenges that that come with this, um, and then also specifically to look at. Uh, I think it was. Was it Hebrews 12.2? Hmm. Hebrews 12.2, the one that says, let's see. Uh, I wrote it down for the Jew. That 
Jesus, uh, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame. Uh, that he was not, yeah, of course, there was dread when he looked at the cross, but he's the joy set before him. The joy is us. We're his joy. We are not a, uh, a burdensome duty for him. Uh, you know, so to look at this ministry instead of with, with dread, oh man, this is going to be so hard and it's going to be uh, so many bad things could happen. You know, to look, look ahead with anticipation, anticipation of joy, the joy set before. I think that's, I think that's really important. And I think also it kind of goes back to um, what we were talking about earlier with um, being called to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it also, I think, uh, ties us, ties us in together because, because really when we, when we think about the formerly incarcerated, or even when we think about ourselves, and we think about um, verses like this, where it talks about uh, for the for the joy that was set before him, and the things that he actually did endure for us, that kind of puts us all equally like in both in need of that grace, and both equally like receiving that grace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, boy, that that leveling that playing field. Uh recognizing that uh, uh, I need help, I need grace, uh, not just theoretically, but in real life. Uh, that just changes so much. I, one of the things I've, I've, I tell people is uh, after, after a while working with uh, people who have been charged fictive crimes, I, I, I think of the saying that says, there, but for the grace of God, go I. And I, I look at that and say, I don't say that. I, I look at uh, my guys in prison green and orange jumpsuits and I say, that's me. I, there's, what, there's not uh, a lot of significant difference. They got caught and I didn't. Well, I did get caught that one time. I was about to say we won't talk about that, but I think we did earlier. We did, yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what is that? What you know, I told people too that uh, the guys in prison, uh, the the biggest difference between them and us church people is uh, we were a lot smarter about picking our sins. Now, they got caught. We didn't because we were smarter. We, we picked sins that you wouldn't get arrested for. So who's better at sinning? Obviously, we're the experts, not those guys in orange jumpsuits. They're just amateurs. Well, um, I think uh, I think that's those are those are really the uh, main points that we wanted to talk about today but we will hang out here a bit longer sure. in case um, anyone else has any like questions or comments um, you can come and hang out with us and chat okay. I, I, I'm going to throw in something I, I just I, uh, I was hunting through my notes for something and I, I ran across a quote from one of the one of my guys in, in prison from 
uh, years ago. I'd forgotten about this. He was a uh, uh, guy happened to be a biker, which I, I think is probably significant. He, he said something to the effect of uh, if the road that you're on is clear and straight and you can see uh, uh, for miles and miles on down the road, you're probably not on God's road. The roads that God puts you on, they've got sharp turns and blind curves all over the place. That's so that you, you know, that you learn to say, uh, God, uh, I need your, your help here. I can't see where I'm going. Um, I think he was on to something. Uh, so, you know, as we embark on this, uh, this kind of ministry, what's going to happen? Well, you got some blind curves up ahead. Fine. Uh, that means you're on God's road. I think we've got um, Bill the Poet today. <laughs> that was that was one of my my guys in Prison Green. He came up with that one, and I'm forever in his debt for that. And that is why, if you ever get in a, a Bible study or any kind of discussion with a bunch of guys who are. Uh, because they're they're working a recovery program, because they're 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 coming out of prison and looking to stay that way, uh, I can guarantee that uh, the stuff you'll hear, uh, you'll be like, uh, I'm my reaction is always, I'm drowning in gold. There's gems flying around so fast I can't catch them all. So everyone now and then I'll get a quote and I'll bring it to you. also to see you again in is it two weeks Phil? two weeks yeah two weeks yeah. and and what's going to be the topic then uh two weeks uh, am i putting you on the spot i'm sorry yeah you're putting me on the spot here phil what's the I think, topic in two weeks i believe let's see i I think I can tell you, but I, I hope I get the wording right. This is going to be about the elephant in the the room. The let's let's talk about our, our worst fears with this. Let's get that out of the way. Uh, what about sex offenders? Isn't that going to be our thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's let's, let's hit that one right away. So tune in again in two weeks. Would you mind praying yourself? I sure would. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, you are our creator. You are our brother. You are a friend of sinners. You are uh, someone who comes to eat with Matthew and all of his thug friends. You uh, uh, 
welcome people into your house and you accept the welcome of people like Zacchaeus. That's that's who we are. And uh, thank you for letting us know that that's who you are. And forgive us for ever thinking that you're something different, that you're holding us at arm's length and uh, making up your mind about us. Help us, all of us, uh, to live in that wonderful world uh, of your love, your acceptance, your forgiveness. Help us to... Um, Help other people who need that badly, who are used to just being judged and uh, being rejected and condemned. Help us to help them to live in your wonderful world of grace. Help our congregations to be wonderful healing places where not only the ex-offenders can, can experience that, that wonderful therapeutic grace of yours, but every one of us can learn to drop our guard and say, I need help. And thank you for being my help, Lord. And help us all to be helpers. Help us all to be ways that you you come to people who are hurting, who are scared, who are lonely, who are rejected. Help us to be at least part of the way that you reach out to them and say, uh, you're loved. You're infinitely valuable. You're forgiven. Uh, you're somebody I am glad to call part of my family. Um, help us all of that, uh, Lord Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for letting me be part of this. Hi, everyone. My name is Ruth Jefferson. And I'm Phil Merton. And we're coming to you from the Stronger Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Stronger is a podcast uh, we bring to you every other week, and it's geared toward Ministry to people who have been in corrections facilities, returning citizens coming out of corrections and uh, coming into our communities and coming into congregations. You you hear us coming to you um, biweekly during the um, during our live streams and podcasts and things like that. But we are more than just a biweekly ministry. That's um, right. We're actual people. We we can talk to you uh, outside of podcasts. We can. We have a life. Um, so if you are a returning citizen coming out of prison and you're looking to, to have someone to reach out to or some resources, we can help you with that. And if you're part of a congregation or if you're an individual who's working to welcome returning citizens, love to hear from you about that, too. Um, and if you want to share with us a video about how you how you've been putting the things from the stronger podcast into practice, we'd love to we'd love to hear that. Um, yeah, I I really would love to hear how is has this been helping? How has it been helping? How have you put it to work? What can we do more of? What can we do better? Uh, please let us know. Yeah, and you can email us about that, or or you can send us a message on Facebook. And if you do that in video form, you'll get the chance for that video to be highlighted on our social media, so that other people can find out how the things that you've learned from Stronger are kind of helping you, either as an individual or as a ministry. You'll be famous, <laughs> just like Ruth and I are famous. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but. <laughs> But it will it will give other people a chance to connect with these materials and help to get the word out so that other people can see some of those same benefits that you're seeing. And also, because we are available more than biweekly and we, we do have connections that we make outside of the internet, if you're looking to set up a ministry for your church or if you want someone who can speak with your church or with your group about 
ministry to uh, returning citizens, we can help you with that as well. And uh, we're always looking to uh, expand our our own knowledge. We've we've got some experience uh, with this, but so do a lot of other people from a lot of different angles. So we'd love to hear if you're a congregation, uh, part of a congregation is doing this ministry. Tell us, how's it gone? What's worked? What hasn't worked? If you're a returning citizen, I'd uh, love to hear from you. What's worked? What hasn't worked? We, we need to put this picture together and see how can we together be stronger. Would you see that? Yeah. I, I tied in the name of it at the end, Ruth. Do you see that? Nice work. Okay. <laughs> nice work, Paul. With all of that, you're probably also wondering what that email address is or you can also actually reach us by phone. Our uh, the email address you can reach us at is admin at voiceofthemiddleground.com. Again, that's admin at voiceofthemiddleground.com. And Phil, uh, what's that phone number? If you want to get a hold of us at Institutional Ministries Headquarters, that phone number is 414-259-4370. Again, that's 414-259-4370. Again, thanks for listening.